ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? You know what? It's good to hear that. That Killer- is a 10. Unlike Josh Beard yesterday with a one, it was terrible. It was a, it was a, his best effort, and it was still low single digits, but at least he gave it a go. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. I'm Joe George filling in for Jeremy Branham today. He is out in Charleston calling some U of H basketball games. He's got a tournament this weekend, so he is gone for the rest of the week. Woo! Joel's excited. As far as Joel's talking to me today. Yeah, it was clear. I mean, I debated it, but it's fine. I called him 60 yesterday. Pissed me off. Driving with a four. I had the four-year-old for the last two days. And I'm like, well, I'll just see how the, the what up H-Town goes. I'm still in the car. I'm stuck in traffic on 59. I was like, this month. Mu- and I started. I was, We've already got one of those yesterday. I don't need another one yeah, today. I, was, I started texting right ago. Really, Joe? Because you got two days with me now. So be careful. Just like Branham, sorry ass with this whiny woe is me oh i never get compliments from the guy that's normally here but josh beardy poo you're the best i'm like would you get the hell out of here i tell him all the time that he's one of the best up-and-coming play-by-play guys in the nation he oh i don't want to like to hear that oh i don't like that but by the way then five minutes later yeah i'm the one that told you that first and i'm the greatest here and i'm the greatest there and i said that first and if i had to put a football staff together it'd be me as head coach and me as general manager me 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 okay you're right i i can't get in the way of you giving yourself compliments all right what a start to the show today we got a lot to get into uh, Lee Sterling will join us for some picks at 4 o'clock. We'll have Bad Take Boulevard at 4.30. But I saw DJ Enemy's tweet, and I know you you did as well, uh, kind of going over the ESPN Football Power Index. What is that? I don't know. I don't know if I really care, it's a, but it's a thing. It's a classy way of doing your top 25, your, your, your top 25 week to week, right? Yeah, that's fair. I think that's a fair way to say it. So the ESPN Power Football Index has the Houston Texans saying that they have a 54.4% chance to make the playoffs in 2020. 58.4. Sorry, got to make sure I get these percentages right. A 58.4% chance to make the playoffs this season. They sit today currently as the seventh seed. Just beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Have a good game this weekend versus the Cardinals. Even though they have two wins, like Kyler Murray's playing. We'll dive a lot more into that tomorrow uh, as we get ready for the game on Sunday. But what what say you, Joel? Do you agree with 58.4% chance to make the playoffs? Is it low? Is it high? I think it's about right on. I was going to say better than 50%, but I don't know that I'd get to 60. I think it's about 54, 55, in in that range. And and we've talked about the reasons why. The schedule is very advantageous to this team. It's been soft all year. You actually got a big win that made up for the Carolina loss to where you're in a really good position from that, that regard. And then you look at the way Stroud's playing and the way this team is kind of galvanized and with all the interviews and everybody talking about how together they are and and how, you know, they're they're – they're like bond. Everybody gets along, and the way that they're playing football, I honestly think that it's definitely above fifty percent. And if you look at the teams that you're you're, you're competing with, you have the tiebreaker on a few of them. Uh, you know, a la Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, um, you're in a really really good spot. Just don't screw it up. Yeah, I mean, look, it's control your own destiny right now. If you if the season plays out where you win every single game that's left on your schedule, 
and Jacksonville wins every game except for the one when they play you, you make the playoffs. Like you, you are a playoff team, so you control your own destiny. You don't have a a great team really the rest of the season. You have a bunch of teams that are in, you know, either currently in the playoffs or in playoff contention with Cleveland and Jacksonville coming up. Play Denver in a couple weeks. Their you know their last two games has put them into playoff consideration. Uh, I think at this point this season, and frankly, I think when we, when when Denver sports media looks at that game. They're going to say, okay, if we beat the Houston Texans, who are a good playoff team, it puts us in prime position to make the playoffs in 2024. So you are almost now the de facto team that is stopping people from the playoffs. The Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati media, they're talking about how if they don't make the playoffs, it's going to be because they lost to the Houston Texans and their division stuff too, but mostly Houston could be what is currently holding them out of the wild card spot. I'm going to go a little bit higher, Joel. I'm going to say 70% chance. That's how I view the Texans' chances of making the You have the playoffs. been drinking a lot of Kool-Aid this year. So I have. I, I can understand. Look, I'm all, I, I, I support the fact that you have supported your takes and, and you keep doubling down on them. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, look, it, you have, I, think, I think it's 70%. And the reason why I say that is because you control your own destiny. You've beaten Jacksonville once already. Your next game versus them is here at home. You have a lot of home games coming up. Like the the back half of your schedule is really favorable. And like while you get Kyler Murray returning this weekend, you're going to face Thompson Robinson or whatever, or PJ Walker when you play the Cleveland Browns because Deshaun Watson is out for the season with this broken shoulder. So I think the way it balances is he? out, I I mean, is he? he's out for the year. Oh, he's out for the year, but is it? I love the idea, and we're going to get to some Watson stuff here at 330 if it's the worst trade in NFL history. I, I think it's funny that like now people are trying to carry water for him in the Cleveland Browns organization, and they're running this story out there that he wanted to get shot up in his shoulder and his ankle to play in that game. Don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. I, Not I, I, I've one been talking, second. I've been talking sooner than most about the fact he started making business decisions a while ago, and he ain't about that tough life, and he ain't about you know, trying to earn every penny of that contract. He knows he is set for several lifetimes and he is in a good place and he is going to do nothing to screw it up. And he seems to be on that kind of 50% line. We're talking about the Texans in the playoffs. He's well below the 50% line in terms of the overall effort and uh, making himself available for all these football games. If I'm Cleveland, if I'm the Hazlitt family, if I'm a fan of that team, I am getting more pissed off every single day at where this guy's at and what he hasn't done since we overcommitted to a guy that probably didn't deserve to be overcommitted to when he got overcommitted to massages. Yeah, it is uh it is a bad trade. It's definitely up there. I, I have well like I said, we'll do this a little bit at three thirty. I have some comparisons to where I of of the worst trades in NFL history. But look, back to the Texans here. I think 70% is fair. I, I mean, look, I get why it's 54% because they're a 500 team, right? Or they're just above 500 right now. There's a lot of football left, and you have some good defenses in front of you. But the way that they're playing, it just feels like this team is destined to make the playoffs because of what's going on around them. You have the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, yeah, they're 6-3, and three, but they have been outgained in every single game they've played this season. I just I can't fathom that that is going to hold up the rest of the year to a, a you know a 11 win season. It feels like there's going to be a comeback to earth moment for them. Cleveland like we just have been talking about, no Deshaun Watson. Like everything kind of around you is shaky when the Texans are are holding strong and really the biggest issue is like their linebacker core 
right now of all the injuries. It is, Joe, but you know the other thing that you have to think about when you think about the landscape of sports and how these things have played out. Sometimes you get off to such a hot start that there's no turning back, even if you completely fold up your tent and start trying to go home. And I go back to the old NBAs of when Golden State and when uh, the Sonics, two, two separate NBA teams, got off to super hot stop, starts. They got into the playoffs. One, Golden State got in as the eight seed, knocked off the one seed Nuggets because they just, they just did everything and everything fell their way one season. And they beat Dikembe and all that. And, and, and you know, it was Baron Davis with big dunks. And it was crazy. Or the Sonics one year. They had Ray Allen, Detlef Shrimp, and not a whole lot more. But they got off to like this massive winning streak, kept winning, winning, winning the first half of the season. Then they came back to life, and it was like, they're still a four seed. Mm -hmm. They still have home court. I feel like no matter what the Texans do, and I don't want to jinx them in any way, but I think that they've done so much early that, one, I didn't personally or a lot of people didn't expect, but, two, like beating the Bengals and having the wins that they've gotten have gotten them to the point where, because they've extended the playoff format, they're in a really, really good spot that they'd have to really screw up bad to screw this thing up. That's why I think it's better than 50%. Yeah, for sure. And I think when you say screw up bad, it's kind of the stuff that we've seen this season. Now, the offense has looked so much better the last two weeks, but if they don't make the playoffs, the answer will be because they lost to the Carolina Panthers, because they lost to the Atlanta Falcons. And, like, there are still and, – and, and you've talked about this a lot, really, on the show. Like, you know, it's almost – I don't know if it's playing down to your competition because they're still – you know, they're not supposed to be the team that they've become this season. But if you don't, you know, if you don't beat Arizona on Sunday, it's a great example of why this team's not ready to be a playoff team. Like, you have to beat the bad opponents. It doesn't, I don't care how good the Jets' defense is or how good the Browns' defense is. Like, you're going to be playing P.J. Walker and Zach Wilson. See, that that's where you're right. I think that a lot of people don't look at the full landscape of those games and go, okay, yeah, their defenses are pretty good. But if you're matching up, we always say three faces. Offense, defense, special teams. If you have the, the the clear advantage in at least two of the three, then you should win the football game. And if your defense isn't bad and it's not that big of a gap between the Jets' defense and your defense, but your offense is clearly way better than theirs and your special teams ain't bad, then I would think that you have an advantage enough to say we should win that football game. Sure, it's bad that Denver's starting to play good where at the start of the season it looked like that was going to be a cakewalk. Sure, it's not ideal that you're playing Arizona who looked like they were playing for the number one draft pick and now because they got Kyler Murray, they got a win, and they look like they can play some real football, and you might have to. But guess what? You put your football pants on every single week knowing that you're going out there to go to war. You're going to have to go to war and do what you're supposed to do to win these football games. All right, we got a lot of stuff to get into. Like I said, Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports will join us at 4 o'clock to give you guys some winners. We'll have Bad Take Boulevard at 4.30. We're going to talk about Deshaun Watson. If it's the worst trade in NFL history, Joel Blank's ready to trade some people, or at least one person. From the Houston Rockets, we got a lot of stuff to get in today here on the Killer Bees. But coming up next, so Joel says plus fifty percent. I say seventy percent. So what are your what are your seven playoff teams? How do you have it ranked one through seven? Tell me who's in. Tell me who's out. We do it next here on the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ninety two five. Ninety seven five and ninety two five live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George and for Jeremy Branham alongside Pac-Man Joel, Joel Blank, as always. We're here with you till 6 o'clock. So we were just talking about the Texans' playoff chances. The ESPN Power Football Index says it at 58.4%. Joel's right around there. I'm a little bit higher. But if the playoffs started today, the playoffs would go as follows. The Kansas City Chiefs would have a bye. Then you'd have the Ravens. The Jags, the Dolphins, are your top four seeds, your division winners, your wildcard teams are the Steelers, the Browns, and then the Texans. So 
when you look, you know, big picture, I think this is kind of how it, you know, evolves into the, the Texans conversation about how do they make the playoffs is how many teams that are currently in, do you think are going to miss the playoffs? So I came up with my final right now prediction of what the, what the AFC playoffs are going to look like, Joel. Okay. okay. Got it. The number one seed, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's easy. Easy money. Uh, number two. It's actually easy money. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. We'll oh. see how BMAC does. If he ruins us, that's going to be a problem. I can't we're wait hot to again. do it. I, just, I feel like I'm going to be on fire. <laughs> uh, the Miami Dolphins schedule is easy. I'm going to have the Dolphins as the two seed. The next one I have, the Cincinnati Bengals winning the AFC North, even though they just lost to the Texans. Tonight's a big game. I, like that, Tonight's a big game. I can't, we're going to talk about that at 445. I cannot wait to talk about tonight's game. T. Higgins will be out again, so if he's in your fantasy lineup, make sure you make that change. Uh, so the, the Bengals as a three seed. I have the Texans as the four seed winning the division. And then my final three are the Ravens. That I'm going to say the Bills figure it out and get the six seed and the Steelers. So the teams that are currently in the playoffs today that I'm going to say are going to miss the playoffs mm-hmm. are the Browns, mm. the Jags, mm. and that's it. Uh, so the Browns and the Jags out, and I have the Bengals and the Bills making it in, but with the Texans winning the division. I got Pittsburgh out. I just I want them out too, but like I, I don't understand how Kenny Pickett can be as bad as he is it's like, all Mike Tomlin. I know. I, I keep saying this stat because it just it literally blows my mind. They've been outgained yardage wise in all nine games they've played this year, and they're six and three. Like there's nothing about that that makes any logical sense. No, but I think that with smoke and mirrors, at a certain point, luck's going to run out. Yeah. Because I know that they've got pass rushers, but other than that, and the fact that they played a really horrible Packer team and were able to run the football last week. I don't see that happening against good teams. I think they still have to play enough good teams in their own division that are better than they are, that no matter who's playing quarterback is probably better than their offense is. So I can't put Pittsburgh in there. And I know Buffalo is the hot take now to be out. I just think that they're too talented on the flip side to not find a way to get in. Yeah, I think they're going to figure it out. I, I mean, typically, like, we don't see a lot of these midseason OC changes work out, but they're just they're too talented, and, and I'm with I'm with you guys that Josh Allen he turns the ball over way too much, but it just it feels like the reason why they made the change is because they put Josh Allen in way too many situations that he's going to go full Brett Favre on. They put him in third and ten, third and twelve. Like if they just figure out a way to get second and six and third and three or third and two, I, I just think that it's going to put them in a much different position. So the way the Latavius Murray runs the ball. And has been for them and with James Cook as well. I think they're going to start running the ball more. It's going to help them out a lot. So that's why I have the Bills making the playoffs, but as a wild card. Here's the only way that it won't that won't happen, and that is if it just implodes from within. Very if, possible. If, if this whole thing with Diggs gets worse and it continues to flourish in a bad way, and the play calling you know becomes an even bigger issue now that you made Dorsey the scapegoat, I could see it going south. I can't see Jacksonville not making the playoffs. That's the other one. I, I just. I, I'm curious, how many teams do you have making it from the South? Uh, one. Just I, it. Just I the Jack- Texans. I have Jacksonville out. I just, I don't, you know, there's this weird stuff going on with Trevor Lawrence and his knee where, like, he hasn't been on the injury report since week eight, but Mike Florio has a story today about how his knee is still bothering him, and that's not the first time we've seen that this season where he's just kind of banged up. He just keeps turning the ball over. I think he's second in the NFL in turnovers right now. I just, there's just something off with them. This year, like their offense just cannot get clicking. And I think it's mostly on Trevor, but I think we also really overhyped 
week one Calvin Ridley, and he just doesn't have the weapons. He's free at the end of the year. He's playing for a contract, and that's risky. But yeah. to me, Joe, which sounds like you're saying that you would tend to agree with me, but except for Pittsburgh, it seems like it's the have and have nots of quarterbacks, right? If you've got a quarterback that's struggling, if Josh Allen is struggling, if Lawrence is struggling, well, then maybe that's a big issue. But, you know, you got Cleveland who doesn't have a quarterback right now that anybody would, you know, yeah, trust to win a football game. So I can't see them getting in. But you got Lamar, and they're, they have a lead in the division. And you got Joe Burrow. I, I just feel like as much as you might have oversold him for this year, but maybe just the injury held him back. I didn't see a Super Bowl caliber team a week ago, but I saw a team that with Joe Burrows and Jamar Chase, and when they get healthy, even an even better chance of at least making the playoffs. Yeah, because that division is tough. It really comes down to me a lot with the South of how many teams you're going to put in. Is it Pittsburgh versus Jacksonville? I think I really I, do. I think like Chiefs, Dolphins, Bengals, Texans, Ravens, Bills, Steelers, and then Jacksonville. I feel like those are the eight teams because I don't believe Cleveland's going to be able to hold on. To where they're at right now, they might get to eight wins, but I just I don't think that's gonna be good enough to make the playoffs. You know, Denver, Indy, like those are good stories, but like just with their quarterback play overall, like I don't think they get there. I think we kind of know who the eight teams are that are vying for seven spots. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I I just think it's gonna come down to Pittsburgh and Cleveland for me. Who's who, who's out? I I believe the South is gonna get two. Uh, and again, because Jacksonville went on this little run for a while. I think that helped them immensely because sure. now I think they got a pad. So I, but I do think it's going to be very interesting in the fact that we are still saying that the Texans are not only solid in the mix, but they should make the playoffs. Is something I never thought I'd be saying for this season. I believed in the fact that they were turning the corner. I believed that the reset was working. I just didn't think it was going to work this fast. Well, and, I don't think anyone did. And I and I think that you know if you did and you you're not on a a, a late late show on this station and you you know you don't want to pump yourself up higher than a crane can put you, then. You, you're honest with yourself saying, I didn't see this from C.J. Stroud this soon. I didn't see this roster doing this much this quickly. I didn't know if D- D'Amico was going to take some lumps and Bobby Slowick in their first times in these positions. I'm the first to say that I had questions and I doubted. But the fact that they are where they are, it's already a win situation. I heard you talking the other night driving home. And I really believe that this season is a success no matter what they do unless they completely crap their bed the rest of the way because of all the things they've already done that we didn't expect them to do. It's like a foregone conclusion. CJ's going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I don't. I can't imagine. He could be bad, I think. like He could be mediocre and, and just awful in like half the remaining games. I would be stunned. Jameer Gibbs probably has to rush for close to 700 yards and Bijan was the early favorite before the season started. And Bijan, they're not even hardly giving him the rock. Yeah, I, that, I think it's Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs is because even like the Puka Nakua story, which was really cool early in the season, the Rams have cooled off. Matt Stafford is coming back, it sounds like. So maybe that will change things. They signed Carson Wentz for apparently no reason. But I, I quarterbacks have the greatest job in the world. Quarterbacks and kickers and punters yeah. just could continue to collect checks for doing absolutely nothing. Yeah, it's. Oh, it's I, what's the best job in sports? I think it's I think Jimbo Fisher and Josh McDaniels have proven that being a head coach is always going to be the best job, either it's in college football or the NFL, because you might suck, but you're going to get all your money. But here, well, like well, they get all. But you're their also money going still. to get. You got to have a really good agent because you're going to take the blame for everything. Yeah, and you're going to have a lot of stress because of it and pressure. I would say punter. Because think about this. Just, this field, goal kicker, field goal kicker makes a ton of money if you're good. Yeah. Right? And to be good, you have to put it between the uprights, which is challenging. Punting, you don't care where it goes. As long as it goes 50 yards plus and you can pin them sometimes inside the 20, 
You can collect check after check after check after check. You might not make the Hall of Fame, but you're making a boatload of cash, yeah. far less than you'd be doing in a real job. And you could do it for like 20 years. Yeah, that and then backup quarterback. I mean, like the money that like Chase Daniels, Ryan but you have to get hit. Well, not always. I mean, Chase Daniels started like four games and he made $60 million in his career. Yeah. Like, well, that's a great life. You look at what David Carr's career earnings were after taking just a head bashing. Oh, see that? Yeah, that's. He's the- got a Super Bowl ring. He's got over $60 million in his back bank account. And he carried a clipboard for the majority of it, uh, except for the one time that he bitched that he had to wear gloves because his oh. hands were too close to the tush of his center in Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he took a lot of beating here in Houston in his first year or two. I mean, I think everybody would sign up for that if you knew you walked out with $60 million plus. Yeah. So the only other team that we haven't mentioned that some people would still make an argument for, I believe, and, and I'm not one of them because of the way you know they lost their last game, would be the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, look, their schedule is, is not hard sometimes this season. They play the Packers, the Ravens, the Patriots, the Broncos, the Raiders, the Bills, the Broncos, the Chiefs. Like, they have a pretty easy schedule for the most part. Even that Chiefs game, if the Chiefs have the bye locked up, I mean, they're going to be playing whoever the backup quarterback is in Kansas City now. It's because it's not Chad Henney anymore. It's the, See, here's the thing, Joe. I'm with no you. Them, I think. See, I'm not. I, 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 if there's a team that I would put over to a lot a of the run. teams you're talking about to make a run and get in, it's them. Because I believe that as much as we say, depending on the sport, oh, this coach or manager is only worth about a handful of games if it's baseball. Or if it's in football, could a coach make the difference between two and three wins? Maybe. But when you're talking about could a coach make a difference between a team that has all the the tools and weapons, being a playoff contending team, or constantly screwing up enough to either pee all over your leg and then crap all over yourself in the playoffs, or just go for it on fourth downs in your own territory enough to look so embarrassingly bad that it's amazing you still have a job, that's the Chargers. Chargers have way too much talent across the board to be playing as bad as they've played over the last several years. And if you eliminate Staley from the conversation, and now the rumor is Belichick kind of has his eye I possibly. Heard, yeah, I saw that Dan Orlovsky thing where like the it might be predetermined or it's already determined where Bill Belichick is going to go and take over as GM. Like if you're going to take coach. over Washington or you're going to take over the Chargers, it's a no-brainer. I, so a lot of people think it's going to be Washington. And I was like, why? <clears throat> and then they started going through the history uh, of some of these new owners and what they do. So Miami did this. when they t- When the new ownership group came in, what they wanted to do was establish credibility. So that's when they hired Bill Parcells. So like you see these, these ownership groups when they take over, they're like, Hey, we want to bring in someone that's going to, you know, bring respect to this franchise in a way that wasn't there. That's where I could see the Belichick thing, making a lot of sense in Washington. I mean, if but, I was if you, Chargers, but if you're Belichick and you're trying to literally save face and name yeah. after looking so bad since Brady left and Brady went in a bowl, I definitely Herbert. Yeah. You take Herbert over Sam all day, every day. Definitely. Right. And then you look at the rest, they're shedding all of their their high picks of the last couple of years in Washington, whereas you look across the field and you've got Williams, but he just locked up a big deal, Keenan Allen, you've got Eckler, and then you just have to re-sign him. You know, you've got Mack on the other side, and Bosa on the other side, and James on the other side. you got a lot of talent. And especially with his defensive mind, if you just get the coordinator that knows what to do with talent on offense, there's so many weapons to work with. Yeah, I'm fascinated how I think I think the number one story in the offseason is absolutely Bill Belichick. It does not matter. I think it's way above Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison, and there's the NFL draft as a whole. I don't think there's really that big name free agent that, you know, sparks a lot of interest in, in a way. You know, some of these guys would in the past. Bill Belichick is absolutely the number one story in the NFL this offseason because I mean, did you ever see the the NFL films documentary 
on him, like off season and boating and oh, yeah. getting to know him. Yeah. It was the first thing that ever humanized a guy that I just despised everything about him. And it actually was really well done to where you kind of at least saw the human side of Bill Belichick and it made him more well-rounded and a little likable. Yeah, and then he did the one NFL f- film thing where they did the greatest 100, 100 players of all time. Yeah. I was just so impressed with his knowledge. Like, I mean, the, the stuff he knew about guys that played in, like, the 40s and 50s and 60s and just, and even today, it was just absolutely incredible. It remind, it was a lot like then, like, what we would learn eventually of Dusty Baker, just, like, the immense knowledge uh, of the sport that they are around for so long. And just very quickly, on the NFC side, you have the Eagles, Lions, 49ers, Saints, Seahawks, Cowboys, Vikings, all above 500. Mm-hmm. No one else in the NFC is above 500. Is that your playoff group? Like, unless, I think the only argument is whoever wins the AFC, the NFC South. Like, if it's not New Orleans, it could be Tampa, or it could be Tampa, or it could be Atlanta, even. Atlanta's got a shot. <laughs> but, like, I, I think that's the playoff. I think the NFC is boring It's pretty, year. yeah, well, we knew that. I mean, that's why I think it's amazing when some people don't see the AFC as being the gauntlet and having the best competition it's it's not even debatable i mean the nfc is a laughing stock and a joke after you get to down below two i don't know that there's a third maybe a third if you throw detroit in there yeah and then I, i'll give dallas some credit they've been they're playing, playing better yeah. right but i still don't have you, you know me i'll never trust their head coach and believe that he can call push the right buttons and call the right plays in big moments but i believe that it's it starts and ends with philly san francisco and then if you want to get to tier two it's dallas and detroit all right are the Texans on the right side of history? Are the Texans on the right side of the worst trade in NFL history? We hit on that next year. It's Joe George filling in for Jeremy Branham alongside Joel Blank on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at my bookie. Look, got a game tonight. Got an NFL game. Got a big one. Got a good one. Maybe you want to put some money on it because you're a Texans fan. You don't really care about the other two teams, but you know it should be a good uh, battle. You want to put some cash down and make it more interesting? MyBookie.ag. I always tell you to go to mybookie.ag with good reason because they take care of their customers 100% of the time in a variety of different ways. When you go to my, mybookie.ag right now, sign up for an account, put money in. You can put anything from fifty dollars to $1,000 in your account. They're doing a match bonus right now. If you use the promo code BET975, which is our personal code, it'll double whatever you put in up to $1,000. Put 100 in, you got 200 in your account instantly. More money in your account, more games you can bet on, more chances you can win. They take care of their customers all the time. They've been in business for over a decade. They ain't going anywhere, so neither is your cash. They're not going to beg you to keep it in, not pay it out when you deserve it. They're going to take care of you. They have all kinds of crazy odd boosts and bonuses. They even have live dealers standing by for casino games, especially when there's no other games going on. Maybe you got insomnia, you can't sleep, you want to play some cards. Go to mybookie.ag, get in on some poker or some blackjack. They got it going on so that you can be taken care of every step of the way. Again, the promo code is BET975, so do what I always tell you to do. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. What's the only place I tell you to do it? Go to mybookie.ag and use that promo code BET975. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. All right, Joe George, Joel Blank here with Killer Bees today until 6 o'clock. We'll be back tomorrow. Jeremy Brandon will return on Monday. So this is really a, a hot topic on the the X or Twitter streets. Mm. Uh, is the Deshaun Watson trade the worst in NFL history? And, and look, this is what the Texans so far have back in return. Kenyon Green, not great, but mm-hmm. first rounder. Mm-hmm. Damian Pierce, not great, 
hey, was good. fourth round picks, good find. Yeah, Will Anderson will be very good. Tank Dell, very, very good. A first and 24 and a fourth and 24. So that's right now, you know, what they have from Cleveland going forward. The only thing I will, I will disagree with here is, I, mean, I guess you count Will Anderson because they use that pick to move up. So I guess Will Anderson gets credit. Like he gets part of this. He's part of this trade. Okay. So you have Kenyon Green, Damian Pierce, Will Anderson, Tank Dell, 24 first, 24 fourth. Now the hard part about this is that like, that's not the end all be all ransom that you could have, but it's really good. So, just first blush, do you feel like it is the worst, most lopsided trade in history? No, because of the fact that the Texans were involved in another one that happens to be the worst trade in the history of their franchise, which was the Laramie Tunstall deal. See, where, I, don't, I don't agree. Where Bill O'Brien just completely kept giving more, 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 and then didn't have the wherewithal to lock Tunsil up to an extension, so you had to overpay him and make him the highest-paid tackle in the game because he could have walked after all you gave up to get literally just him because Kenny Stills wasn't anything, and the other guys that they got really didn't do much, to where you were going, I mean, that amongst most people in football, that was considered along with the Hopkins trade. So it's like whichever way you turn, the Tunsil trade was awful. The Hopkins trade might have been the worst trade in the history of the game as well. Because a lot of people said, you didn't even get a first out of the deal. Yeah. But then you look at, see, Watson's still playing. That The money means something, but Watson's still playing. So the potential is that he could still even this thing out between now and the end of his career. Sure. Whereas Watson, I mean, uh, uh, D-Hop's done. He's basically, I mean, he's not washed yet, yeah. but he's he's definitely way on the backside of his career. Yeah, the Hopkins one, we'll, I'll, I'll start there with that one. I, I think at the time, it was obviously an awful trade. The way it's played out. It hasn't hurt as bad as you want. Like, he got suspended for four games for PEDs or whatever it was when he was in Arizona. He never really was a an elite player. He's had moments. Like, yeah, he had... You know, it's funny, like, the Will Levis game, he had three touchdowns, but he had four catches. So he's had some big games for the Titans this year, but, like, mm-hmm. not the way he was here in Houston ever for Arizona or Tennessee. I think in retrospect, like, that trade is not as bad as it seemed. It's still awful. They still should have got a first. But because Hopkins hasn't totally lived up to what he once was, I don't put it there. Think it takes the sting off? I think a little bit. It's still a bad trade, but mm-hmm. like it, I think it, it can go into anywhere near this trade for Watson. The Tunsil one, I firmly disagree with you. Laramie Tunsil has been one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Mm. Uh, he is still here, and what are you without him? Like he is a key part of what the Houston Texans are doing. You might have given up a lot for him, but like he is the dude. On this offensive line, it's one of the best left tackles in the NFL. It's hard. I think that one doesn't belong at all. Josh Chevy, Miami Dolphin fan, can enter the conversation at any time. You got, you gave away first round picks that it were the. I believe one of them was Tua. No, so this is what. So this is why I don't think it's the worst deal ever. The Watson one, because I think the worst trade ever is what happened with your pick. Your pick goes to this. Goes to the Miami Dolphins. Right. That trade. That pick now is Jalen Waddell, Tyreek Hill, and Bradley Chubb. The San Francisco 49ers traded three first-round picks for Trey Lance, yeah. and it turned into Waddle, Tyreek, and Chubb. I don't think you can count that against the Texans. Yeah, that's, that's... Because, like, they're never making that trade. So I think the 49ers trade is, I think it's worse than Watson, because at least Watson has played some games. Trey Lance and Trubisky were really bad trades. Yeah. 
see, really bad trades. But you can't see you can't play six degrees of Kevin Bacon with the with the trade and say, it, well, then that pick was then used. No, you just have to say they're separate. That pick you gave up was a top. It was the third pick in the draft. Top three pick. Yeah, it was the third pick in the draft. Like it absolutely was. And was it brutal. Tua? No, it was. Uh, or oh, that's the one they traded. That's to what they get Lance. That's what they traded for Lance. Like or for the 49ers. For the but 49ers with the, to with get the Lance. entire package, I saw somewhere. Josh, am I right or wrong that it, one of the picks turned into Tua? Yes, yeah, so you're right on that one. Yeah. So that's what did. makes it worse. Maybe it did, but I don't. I don't honestly like. Even then, but for years we, you know, right after it happened, the Hopkins trade was the worst trade in the history of the NFL. That was part of the whole stain, no, for sure. Stain on the Texans. Now I under, I agree with you to a certain extent. His lack of production since the trade was made kind of takes the sting off a little bit. It was still awful. It was still Bill O'Brien thinking he was smarter and better than everyone else. It was Cal McNair asleep at the wheel after a cheeseburger in a video game that had no clue what his head coach and GM was doing. It was Jack Easterby weaseling into what would end up being a bigger weasel rodent situation until the rat-infested organization had to kick him to the curb. Yeah. That all kind of also kind of stains it more because of what it meant for the franchise and how bad the franchise looked for years. But when you look at the worst trade in NFL history, I mean, the Ricky Williams trade was pretty bad. Yeah, Ricky doesn't have the big names. The Herschel Walker trade was pretty that bad. That was the other one on my list. Like, now look, you've got some really good players, but you have some elite players that go in the deal. So you have Herschel Walker traded. It ends up being for Emmett Smith, Darren Woodson, Russell Maryland, Clayton Holmes, Kevin Smith. But really, it's, it's like good. the outcome of it, Herschel Walker played two seasons for the Vikings. That's a huge part of this. Like, he, he played. And that's why I think Trey Lance, Herschel Walker, and Deshaun Watson are all in this like same category versus Tunsil. Because Tunsil is here. Tunsil has played. Tunsil has been an elite player for you. Trey Lance barely played at all. He started like two games for the 49ers. Herschel Walker played two seasons. The Cowboys won three Super Bowls. Deshaun Watson's barely playing. Like, who was he missed the, almost all of last year, and he's missed most of this year. If they didn't take Trey Lance. Who was in the draft that was in that top five or six to where if the Texans kept their pick and hadn't made the trade with Miami? I know who the Texans quarterback would be. Mac Jones? Trey, uh, be Justin Fields. Oh. That's what, like, or, yeah, you'd be talking about the Texans could have had, and that's where I think it, it helps your argument for the Texans. It's like, if the Texans, they don't have Larry Mutunsil, they have the third pick in the draft, and they could have Trey Lance, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, like Tua. hard pass. Well, Tua was 2020, and that was actually the Miami pick. Um, the the Houston Texans, what did the Dolphins get for this? Oh, they ended up trading it with San Francisco. They got Jeff Gladney. So, like, they got, like, a nobody mm-hmm. in that. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, I know what it was. I'm wrong. I know what it was. You should know this, Joel. What? The, the Miami Dolphins traded the 26th pick in the 2020 NFL draft to the Green Bay oh, Packers Jordan Love. and took Jordan Love. So the, the Dolphins never actually used the pick they got in 2020 from the Texans. They traded it away. So, hey, we could have had Jordan Love. No, they had Deshaun I wish Watson. anybody else on the planet would have had Jordan Love, to be honest with you. Yeah. So, like, that's where, like, I, I think the, the Watson trade belongs in that category of Trey Lance yeah. and Herschel Walker. But I think because he's the, just not playing. But the big thing is, is for his, it's continuing to look worse right now. Yeah. But Watson has a chance to salvage a lot of it by playing between now and the end of his career. If he doesn't keep making business decisions. Yeah, I I think the answer will always be Herschel Walker until a team wins multiple Super Bowls. God, when you talk about the guys you just rattled off. Yeah. There's several Hall of Famers in that mix. You have the all-time leading rusher in NFL history. Woodson get in. (laughs) Like, Darren Woodson Woodson got in, in, right? You have two Hall of Famers. Emmett got in. Emmett got in. All-time leading rusher. And that's where, like, the Dolphins 49ers trade kind of 
like Tyreek Hill is going to be a Hall of Famer for sure. I don't think Jalen Waddle will be. He, I mean, it's so it's so know. early. Yeah. He, he's a special player. So when Tyree walks away, like Tyreek walks away, Waddle could be. But I feel like the Dolphins have to win a Super Bowl to be on the same level as what the Cowboys did to the Vikings. Like the the Cowboys won three Super Bowls. That will always be one of the worst trades ever. In the and I think the same goes for this Watson deal to really put Watson as the worst trade ever. I think the Texans have to win a Super Bowl, and Will Anderson has to be a big part of that. Yeah, see, and again, I, I, I honestly, as much as you guys are head over heels on Will Anderson, the jury's still out for me because of the, the impact oh, yeah. it could have had. So is he, is he a good football player that could be a great football player? Sure, i got to see more, right? Because I can't sit there and rely on stats numbers and people telling me, well, you know, the stats tell me he, he, he's one of the toughest guys in the, in the league to keep down. But he doesn't have any sacks. I, I still think that's all going to come. Like, when you look at a lot of rookies in the NFL, they don't have these outlandish sack totals. I mean, everybody blooms and flourishes yeah. at a different point in their career. Yeah, there's, like there's I, no doubt about it. I that. keep using Kayvon Thibodeau as the example. A lot of people, a lot of Giants fans were going to be upset with that pick. You know, last year he had four and a half sacks. He, he has almost, I think he, at one point he had eight and a half. And that was like three or four weeks ago when we talked about this. So I, I still view. Will Anderson as like a very bright spot in the future of the Texans franchise. Now, if we get, you know, down the road here and and he doesn't have those sack numbers, it, it's gonna be tough. I mean it is it is gonna be a lot it's gonna be a lot worse for the Texans if he doesn't really start to get those sack numbers. Well, I think the best thing you can say, no matter and I know you guys had a conversation in, in, in Twitter yesterday about if Nick Casario is up for executive of the year oh, or yeah. general manager of the year or not. The bottom line is even if he's not at least you have more sane, competent people in the right positions than you did when you made some of the stupidest trades. Whether they any of them ends up on the top of the list, there were enough. But your franchise was represented it represented clearly, yeah, and, and it, at the forefront, going, God, they were awful. Mm-hmm. They were they were complete boobs making decisions, yeah. not Bob's boobs. Like, look, they have like twelve starters that Nick Casario has brought in through free agency or starting or or through the draft. Uh, they're gonna they they could make the playoffs. They're gonna at least be close to five hundred, if not over. I would be shocked if he doesn't win Executive of the Year. And, and frankly, because I think the most comparable thing you can do, funny enough, is to Ryan Pace. Like Ryan Pace, when he was the GM of the Bears in two thousand eighteen, won Executive of the Year. They made the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky. They brought in Khalil Mack, and like that's what they did. They overturned the roster. They just made the playoffs. Obviously, in the end, that ended up being a disaster for them. But at least in that moment. It was pretty clear. I would be shocked, honestly, if Nick Casario doesn't win Executive of the Year. Well, he's definitely a front runner. You got three guys for three prominent uh, awards, all sitting right there in the discussion of the top two or three. And if you're the Texans, again, if I said that to you at the start of the year, the chuckles, the laughs, the finger pointing, it would have been almost like when they were the embarrassment over and over again in the NFL. The fact is, they're all legit right there. When you talk about CJ, D'Amico, and Nick, they they all should be the front runner. Yeah. Yeah, rookie of the year, maybe coach of the year, executive of the year. And that maybe be, MVP. That would be wild. If we wake up one day and the Texans have made the playoffs, they have the executive of the year, MVP, rookie, coach rookie of, the year. of the year, and coach of the year, oh, boy. Like, How could you not think the future is going to be pretty bright? Yeah. I mean, I, they could win none of those awards, and I'm cool oh, with what Oh, just what, what they they've are. done, what we didn't think they could do, makes yeah. them the story of the year. All right. Well, one of the stories of the day, and, and really of the last couple months, we, we've all been waiting for this official news, but in 2028, we will be able to travel with a bunch of you listeners to the first time 
Maybe we'll go check out a casino and we'll watch the Houston Astros play the Las Vegas A's. It's official. What do you think? We'll talk about it next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. I love the people at Apollo Men's Health. It starts with the owner-operator extraordinaire, Dr. O. Dr. O and his staff do a phenomenal job caring about their patients and getting them where they thought that they could never get again. I mean, from the boardroom to the weight room to the bedroom. As you get older, you experience a lot of deficiencies, a lot of problems you never thought you'd be dealing with. But once you are dealing with them, you don't feel like there are solutions that are clearly spelled out for you. That's why you go to Apollo Men's Health. Go to ApolloMH.com right now. See all the services they offer, and and you'll find out if there's a few that might interest you. You should sign up for a first appointment right there online. When you do, most major insurance is accepted, and there's discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank. You can get a free B12 shot like I get every week for more energy, or you can get a free body composition analysis, which helps you to chart your progress when getting on a workout routine so you can see when your body fat numbers go down, your muscle mass numbers go up, and all the important numbers start making sense. They take care of you in that way. They, they, they're there step-by-step step with you through the plan. You want to lose weight? They'll get you ways where you can recover quicker, like HGH peptide therapy when you're sore. Uh, to The fact that if you want to lose weight and don't have time to get to the gym, FDA-approved semi-glutide is available now. You can lose up to six pounds every week and never hit the gym or a treadmill. Absolutely phenomenal stuff, all because the people care. Go see them today, three locations to serve you better near downtown Houston, and mention my name, Joel Blank. But go see my friends at Apollo Men's Health because they're making a difference. On ESPN 97.5, it's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. All right, real quick update here. Joe George with Joel Blank on the Killer Bees. Update on the Houston Texans and who practiced today and who did not practice today because that's what's important. We know that if you missed it yesterday, Denzel Perriman, his suspension has been dropped down to two games. So he's out for the next two weeks. Henry Toho Toho did not practice today with a concussion. Damian Pierce did not practice with an ankle injury. Jimmy Ward, no practice. Hamstring. Noah Brown did not practice today with a knee injury. Ooh. So that is the injury report today from the Texans. At least the big names that matter. Larry Tunsil was back out there. Um, I think in, uh, Titus Howard was limited. I mean, look, or no, this is, that was yesterday. So uh, Nico Collins was limited today. Full participation, Will Anderson, Titus Howard, Steven Nelson, Schultz, Tunsil, Robert Woods, all back out there. But I'm bummed that we're not going to have Noah Brown potentially on Sunday. Uh, You know what? He's awesome. I would think on both sides. I I think it's too important right now for him not to play as a team, especially when the receivers have been dinged up. Yeah. I think for Noah Brown personally, it's too important for him to miss a game right now because of the fact that he's making a new name for himself, reinventing his career, whether it's here or otherwise. Too many people have taken notice, and after two big games, the last thing he wants to do is sit out a game and then start missing reps and not having the same kind of looks from a quarterback like C.J. Stroud. Yeah, not having Henry Toto and then uh, not having Denzel Perriman will be tough this weekend. You're playing an offense that is at least intriguing with Kyler Murray. Like He looked full Kyler Murray back uh, last weekend. So, so Joel, we got the official news today. Major League Baseball owners approve the move of uh, the, the A's from Oakland to Las Vegas. They will move there officially and open their stadium, it looks like, in 2028. Mm-hmm. Where they will play 2025 to 2027 is TBD. Um, apparently, there is a there there is concessions that can be made to where they could still play at the Coliseum. Uh, there is talks that they could play at a minor league ballpark in Sacramento for three years or in Las Vegas this for is, three years. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's a big problem. And obviously we've said that one of the biggest problems in sports is unless you do something just so outrageously awful, 
you can't force anybody to sell the team. But the solution with a metropolitan area like Oakland and San Francisco, even if they have the Giants, if you have if you're on the other side of the bay, has the chance to do more and, and, and simply after everything else that's already probably been regurgitated enough, the fact is is that the climate is so more conducive, especially when it gets cool at night in the Bay Area. You talk about anywhere else with very few exceptions, and you go, you know what? They can make it work for a year or two somewhere else. Yeah, they can play in a smaller venue. We've seen it happen in the NFL when the Chargers moved to L.A. recently. You're talking about Las Vegas. You're talking about literally an oven set at 450 for like, 24 hours a day. Yeah, so that's why I, th- I think they're going to play in Sacramento. They're going to be the Sacramento A's or whatever they're going to call them for three years. I don't think they're going to figure out a call. It's thing. a horrible look for baseball. You also, because like you can't play, you can't play in Oakland. It's People, a horrible look for a fan base. Yeah, you know, because you're trying to. Because now remember, and I dealt with this firsthand when I was with the Rockets and they made the the stupid decision to go with their own network, knowing that Comcast Sportsnet Houston was only going to get about 40% of the people in Houston. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting with some of the guys on the Comcast side because there was no talking to the guys on our side because all they thought about were dollar signs and saying, you guys realize, like, kids from, say, five or six up to, like, their early teens, they live for their home teams. If they can't see their home team's games, they're going to follow LeBron James's team. They're going to follow the best players in the other sports teams. And by the time they get to their adult years, that's who they're going to be fans of and want tickets of and gear of and, and have an affinity for, not your team. It means something. Nope, all we're caring about is we're getting the cash, they're going to keep paying us rights fees, and we're going to be good to go. They weren't. And it causes a big problem. And if you're trying to create a new fan base for baseball in a completely different city, the worst thing you can do is say, this is even worse than the Tennessee situation, but this is, we're going to play here, but we're going to call our forever home there, but we expect everybody to be there for us. So this is where uh, my only disagreement with you, and I'm going to try to sell you on the idea. If I was Oakland, this is my strategy, okay? I'm I'm not calling myself the Las Vegas A's until I'm in Las Vegas. I am not worrying about distribution. I'm not worrying about radio home. I am pretending like that does not exist until 2028. And I'm going way worse than I've been. I'm going full Astros. I'm going full Cubs. I'm going to make sure I lose 130 games every single year for the next three years. I'm going to stockpile and build prospects. And then I'm going to do exactly what the Las Vegas Golden Knights did. I'm going to show up in 2028. My prospects are going to be ready. They're all going to come up. I'm going to trade some of them for some big names, and I'm going to show up in 2028 with the best team in the AL West. That would be my goal is tank out, draft the best prospects, keep them, hit them in the miters, and all of a sudden you show up in 2028, and boom. Okay, I hear it, right? Now my first question to you is going to be, do you have deep enough pockets as the current owner of the Oakland A's? It's a great question. To be able to survive the next three years of massive losses that you are going to endure. And also, when we talk about catastrophic moves that are going to force the league to get involved, if you tank to that degree for three straight years, the league very well could start to get involved. And whether they say, you know, we've seen this in the NBA where David Stern said, I'm going to run the franchise if I have to, right? Like, you can't keep doing this. It's an embarrassing look for a top-tier major league sport to where those are the kind of things that you have to factor in with that scenario because of the fact that the league's not going to let one of their teams Look that bad for that long. Yeah, because right, that'd be like five years, right? The Astros were that bad for three years. That'd be the A's being that bad for like four or five years straight. In two different markets. In two different markets, getting ready to go for a third. The only, and what, 
the only thing I think is interesting about this move, I'm not so sure that like their strategy changes. They have been a profitable Major League Baseball team every single year with the worst attendance in baseball, with some of the worst teams in baseball, because their payroll is so low that they're making money. They don't have to be good in Vegas to make money. They're going to make a ton of money. Every Astros fan, when the schedule comes out, is going to be saying, okay, when do I want to go to Vegas? The only question I have about that is how long do you think that lasts? Because, like, right, like, from my perspective, like the Bears. The Bears play in Las Vegas guaranteed one time every eight years. Mm-hmm. So that's like a once an eight-year trip to make. How how long does, like, the Astros, like, Houston Astros fans want to go to Vegas? How long does that last for? I don't think it matters, Joe. No, but, like, like okay, at some point, so, like, we're not going to pay that money no, to fly no, out there. No, no, no. I, I think that it depends on your team, too. If your team is anywhere near good or, or your, your, again, your loyalty, you, yeah. you, you built up that that um, affinity for that squad because you followed them your whole life, and now you're building in a vacation as well. But I think that Vegas has that unique ability that no other team in the league that I can think of really, no matter how alluring L.A. or New York is, that it's you don't have to worry. It's Vegas. Everybody yeah. wants to go there. So here's the thing. You may not get as many Astros fans, but for all the just common sports fans that go to Vegas for the weekend or go during the middle of the week and go, what is there to do? Oh, there's Major League Baseball tonight. I'm going to check that out. They have a built-in way to sell merch, extra merch, and more tickets because they don't need that affinity all the time from their their longstanding fans. They can get it from week to week by a different batch of fans every time that they fly in. Yeah, I I expect their attendance to be really funny to watch. I, I expect, like, low attendance Monday through Thursday. Maybe. And then, like, Friday through Sunday, I bet you they'll stack a lot of their home games on weekends. Sure, but you know the other thing is is that your regulars are going to be the ones that go Monday through Thursday, and they're still there. Because the most bizarre thing is a buddy of mine that I worked with with the Rockets went out to Vegas for the Knights. There is a strange love of hockey in Vegas. Yeah. And they went door to door, and they started trying to sell season tickets and figure out where the numbers were going to be before they actually went full board. They found out their minor league hockey does extremely well that – all their minor league hockey supporters wanted it, and then because of the built-in and because of the other season tickets, they were able to sell to people yeah. that were that just wanted hockey at a different level. They were already almost sold out before they even brought the franchise in. Well, sure as hell helped. They went to the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, that was the year. icing on the cake, yeah. but the tickets were already sold. All right, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, joins us next year on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.